There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 1013, October 9th, 2023, Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say Max goes three in a row. Oscar delivers Dingo Bite to Lando. Sand in the Vaseline for Logan and Checo. We shall explain, gladly. Back to you, Chief. Thank you, Nasser. On tonight's program, Qatar Grand Prix was hell. Torture, sweat, tears, vomit. Why are we even there? Congratulations to Max for winning the Drivers' World Championship. Number three in a row. Awesome. McLaren catching up to Red Bull with a side dish of competition. And you'll look, those come with chips. And Fernando gets the hot seat. LCH sings our favorite tune. So sorry. And of course, stay tuned for all that and more. And this week's interview, ladies and gentlemen, from the archives again, Jean-Pierre Beltoise. Originally aired on podcast 359, and NAS will have the minute details on that glorious interview. And just a reminder, of course, we need your contributions to keep this program up on the cloud. So just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab. You know you want to. NAS, I'm sure you loved every bit of this weekend. The sweat, the humidity, the sand... You could feel it in your teeth. It was like eating oyster shells all day long. And of course, I didn't even mention Lance Stroll or Logan Sargent yet. Nath, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, sir. Thank you. And I hope all is well on the left coast also. Absolutely, Nasser. I live in California. A wonderful day every day, especially if you put a little pomade in your hair. There you go. Okay, sir. Today we have a fully loaded in-flight burrito, non-stop on Qatar Airways all the way to Doha. Another race in the Arabian night, another starry, starry performance by the Dutch master. So let's get down to Kali on Friday, which was interesting. And you know this shootout, sprint shootout, what it is, it's still confusing for me, but we'll skip that part. The Kali on Friday was a case of why Am I not surprised? One Red Bull on pole position by almost half a second for the 10th time this season. The other Red Bull was victim of track limits and qualified 13th. So not a good start for Numero Dos. Then came the usual Formula 1 comedy hour. Lando Norris set the second fastest lap 
and the <laughs> interviewer Naomi Schiff was surprised and even asked Oscar Piastri, why am I talking to you? Norris also lost his best time due to track limits. Here is the best part. In the middle of the interview with Naomi, uh, she had to inform Piastri, your front row start is no longer valid and he very politely responded, uh, wonderful or something like that. So we have Mercedes second and third on the grid, George on the front row. Always a pleasure and throwback to the 2007 season to see Lucky Luciano and Machismo on same row. Sir, did you find that interview uh, a little amusing as I did? I found a lot of things amusing throughout the whole weekend. There was no, I mean, there was so much going on. Emotions, drama, pushing and shoving. Nass, it just doesn't end in Formula One. I just can't wait till we get to that cold Las Vegas strip. Oh, yes. The talking point, uh, here is my favorite part. The talking point of Qatar Kali was the what you call outstanding performance in the media pen of the driver who qualified 17th. Here is my boy Lollipop with a very sour taste. Lance, we saw frustration from you on the TV screens. This obviously means so much to you. What are your emotions right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry for the language there. Uh, what is not clicking for you behind the wheel at the moment? I don't know. And how does this change your mindset for the weekend? Is it now a test session? Are you going to go for it in the sprint? Keep driving. you have any thoughts on uh, Lance's behavior? It was leaning on the bizarre for sure. I mean, he was... I mean, I understand that when you're number two... And Fernando is your teammate. It can be demoralizing. It's a tough world, but he is taking it to a next level. And I'm telling you, I, not only that, but some of the stuff that his father is saying that as well this weekend, I thought was a little bit selfish, but I don't know. But I feel sorry for Lance. I think he really should embrace tennis as soon as possible. Exactly. Now a quick look at the sprint shootout on Saturday. Are you enjoying these sprint races, by the way? Some people are still not sold on it. Well, it's a faux race because the biggest problem, and Perez will explain it to you, is you really don't want to crash, especially a big crash in the sprint race because you've got to race the following day. So there's a lot of pressure. So there's really no 100% racing here because you you got to make sure your car is going to stay in one shape. So... I, it looked exciting. You got 19 fast laps, but there, I, I mean, the tire issues during the weekend really started to dominate, really put everything on the back foot. But I do enjoy the sprint race when they do it. I just don't like the shootout. I think they just should skip that and make it more by chance and everybody should just draw a number to set the grid to make it more laughter and fun. And, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not a big fan. I really like the traditional Grand Prix weekend in the old 1960s and 70s way. Okay, thanks for sharing your thoughts. So, in the sprint shootout on Saturday, Papaya Car speeding fast laps to grab, to grab the front row with Oscar Piastri initiating cage rattling at McLaren by taking pole position over Lando Norris. The sprint race took place on Saturday, a few hours after the shootout, uh, and like you said, for 19 laps. Now, this was interesting. 
The first 11 laps were like the last 11 laps of Daytona 500, caution after caution. George led briefly on soft tires, but on lap 11, Oscar on mediums retook charge. With few laps remaining, Max had made it to second, but Saturday night fever belonged to Oscar Piastri, who took his first F1 race in his 17th Grand Prix weekend, so our congratulations to him. Thanks to Sergio Parrish crashing out with a little help from Esteban Ocon and Nico Hulkenberg, Max did not have to wait till Sunday evening to be told by Christian Honor, Max Verstappen, you are three-time world champion. So congratulations to Max and his team for uh, going three in a row. Now interestingly, Max is the only second driver to win his first three championships in a row. The other is another Red Bull find of the decade, Sebastian Vettel, who won all his four titles in a row. Any comments on the um, sprint racer apart from the uh, Perez? I have to say, Perez was innocent. He did not make the mistake. You're right. You're right. But he was there because he's not qualifying at the front with Max. You know, there's always going to... I mean, I understand it wasn't his fault, but that's what happens when you're in the back fighting with all these crazy people. And and it's very disappointing because if you look at McLaren, very tight together, always one two two one two three three two. But this, I think Perez is really more rattled. He just doesn't behave like Stroll. But it's a concern, and his career is definitely in jeopardy unless he could pick it up in the final five races and see what we can do. It reminds me of a comment by Dr. Marco about Pierre Gasly. Uh, he said that every time he got in the car, he was trying to reinvent the car. I don't think uh, Sergio has gone to that extent, but I think he's still trying to find a way to beat Max. And he should really do what uh, Christian Horner said some races ago, just drive the car. This is fast enough car that if he drives, he can easily finish second. And that's what they want from him. But anyway, now let's go to the main Grand Prix on Sunday evening, local time. What, what time was it for you uh, in California when the race took place? 10 a.m. Okay, so that was good time. That's great. What happened at the end was as expected. What happened at the start was not expected, at least not by me. The 2023 Qatar Grand Prix was a trip down memory lane to Barcelona 2016 when LCH and Nico Rosberg took each other out, opening the door to a teenager to win his first Grand Prix. Wonder who could that be? On Sunday, eight of the top ten drivers on the grid started on medium. LCH was one of the two who started on soft. So firework was expected between him and teammate and Max somewhere on the opening lap or two. Sir Hamilton was in no mood to wait for the right opportunity and went on the outside going into turn one, or as George Russell said, came from nowhere. Touching wheels with his teammate's car, he was left stranded in the kitty litter. Another trip down memory lane, Shanghai 2007. As karma would have it, George was able to continue. Now, adding insult to injury was a Euro 50,000 fine for Sir Hamilton for crossing a live track. Some of us remember then FIA president, your fellow Francais Jean-Marie Ballest, 
crossing the track during the Monaco Grand Prix many moons ago. Not saying two wrongs make a right, just providing this as piece of informazione. And later, Lewis Hamilton did say, I'm sorry, and shook hands and gave a hug to George Russell. And so it looks like it's all lovey-dovey. Sir, what was your initial reaction when LCH uh, was in the kitty letter? Well, before the kitty letter, I was thinking about the start. And I have to admit, I thought it was far-fetched, but I thought George and Lewis could be a little bit of a problem. Lewis doesn't like starting behind George. I'm telling you, he's a seven-time world champion, and he feels that his TF has been assaulted. So he did what he thought would... He, he, he got a little exuberant. I thought it was exciting, and I have to admit, I didn't expect it, but when it happened, I just went, wow, wow. And of course, Piastri and everybody else went wow, and uh, it was quite shocking. Yes. One driver did worse than LCH, Carlos Sainz Jr. He did not even start the race. His Ferrari developed some fuel issues shortly before the start of the race, and I have not seen much news uh, as to what happened there. Maybe there is more to the story. The other race-long excitement was provided by Pirelli because of tire issue. FIA ruled for safety reasons car must come in for tire change no later than 18 laps after each stint. And the other useless excitement was provided by FIA graphics. Not sure about you, Mr. Rogers, but I really got sick and tired of seeing track limit penalty of 5 seconds for this driver, 5 second penalty for their driver like every 5 minutes. In total, there were 51 such cases. And... That this is a first, according to Lance Stroll. This is a joke, and for once I have to agree with him. How do you like 51 penalties in one GP, or you want more, more, more? I think the whole thing is stupid. Just forget track limits, and then everybody's on the same track. They'll come up with their own limits. Let's have a race here and quit crying. I mean, this is really ridiculous having to be in that white line. I think if you let everybody do what they want to do, then the limits are the track. We get better racing, less flashing penalty, penalty, penalty throughout the whole race, making the FIA look really silly. That's my two cents. No, I totally agree with you. And one more thing, you know, the area where Lewis went off, I was noticing that uh, the runoff area was so big, you can put a NASCAR overdrive there, or to borrow a phrase from Mr. Bernard Ecclestone, put in a shitty little oval there. Did you notice how big the runoff area was? I did notice that. There was even room to put a sprinkler system. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, somewhere in between there was a race, at least behind Max, as has been the case almost all season, Max was in his zone and a different zip code. It's obvious McLaren cars are getting more and more competitive. I think since the Qatar Grand Prix was a control race in terms of when teams were required to change tires, it probably camouflaged the pace advantage of one of the Red Bull cars. While teammate exceeded track limits a few times and got penalty twice, Max kept on going without making any mistakes and still set the fastest lap. It is looking like he has left most of his mistakes behind at Toro Rosso. 
and there were quite a few in those days. The team does not make any mistakes during pit stops. There are no speed limit violations by Max in the pit lane or operating without a permit at Mardi Gras like Dennis Hopper. Max has become the easy rider of the 2023 Formula 1 season, cruising to a career which is already unbelievable at the age of 26. And I say more power to him and his team and his uh, GP2 engine supplier. Max now has 49 Grand Prix wins, just two short of Alain Prost, which he most likely will equal and surpass this season. He has 14 wins from 17 races so far this season and only two for his teammate. This is worse than the rape of Nan King and he is not even dim sum yet. Yeah, I think it was um, overall a good race. I think what really made my race uh, was that first stint where I think we were quite strong and good on the tires. After that, because we had a bit of a tire offset compared to the, the McLarens, you know, I could drive a bit longer on every or most of the sets. Um, which maybe in some places then cost me a bit on the outlap and stuff. Um, so then, you know, sometimes the gap looked a bit closer than it should have been. Then on the hard tire, um, I lost quite a bit of time, I think, in the last two, three laps because I had to get through some traffic. And then I had a slow stop as well to the end. So then they were very close behind me. Um, but yeah, overall, of course, they have been really quick all weekend. Um, so uh, I think especially with the fuel coming out, uh, it looked like they were again picking up more and more pace um, compared to me plus of course that three stop that was uh, mandatory I think was not ideal for us personally because our car is good on tyres so when you need to you know, do longer stints because that's the fastest way around here um, it would have probably been a bit better but um, yeah that's, it was the same for everyone at the end that we had to do those stops we had to deal with that um, and yeah made it also probably a bit harder to drive we had to push quite hard out there and yeah, as you could see after the race, a lot of people were quite tired, I think. I think his fortune cookie is saying, you win again in Texas, Vegas, Mexico, and wherever you go. After the Mercedes coming together and one of the Ferraris not starting the race, it really became a case of McLaren boys fighting it out for second. And this team has a rich history of very unholy and very ruthless civil war. And in the palatial studios, only thing enjoyed more than Stella Artois and Jupiler is cage rattling, which is great taste and fast fulfilling. Towards the end, Lando was told to hold position, and as expected, he was not too thrilled to hear that. As if seeing Oscar win a race as a McLaren driver before him was not bad enough, Lando had to suck it up to miss out on second place behind his teammate on Sunday also. Oscar Piastri is proving my long-held ideological belief that heaven, which is Formula 1, holds a place for those who win Formula 2 in their rookie season. The future is very bright for this young man from Melbourne, Australia. Two podiums in one race weekend is very impressive for a driver in only his 17th Grand Prix weekend. And Mr. Host do you think Oscar has established himself as the Alpha Dingo at McLaren already? I think he has, and uh, I have to add with authority. I mean, he won the sprint, and he's just getting comfortable at McLaren. Norris has been there for a number of years, so it's quite impressive. And it'd be fun to see if Piastri 
what he could do in Perez's car, isn't it? Oh, no kidding. George Russell was fourth. I get the impression, taking into account his first race for Mercedes, where he rattled the cage of Valtteri Bottas and winning in Brazil last year over LCH, that George Russell is the most flustered and frustrated driver in Formula 1 today because deep down he is convinced he can beat Max and Lewis in the championship if Mercedes gives him the package, and he may be right. After he was hit by Lewis, he said on the team radio, What the hell, two weeks in a row? Some French was, of course, uh, bleeped out. You know, we, we both have a, the possibility of, of standing on the podium and um, obviously nothing intentional both ways. These cars are so difficult to see when you're racing. There's big blind spots. We both have so much respect for one another. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, go past this and um, I'm sure we'll speak and I'm sure everyone, everything will be okay. Since you are an honorary member of the Hemi Haters Club, which I think was started in 2007, gee, I wonder why, how did you see this coming together and was he lucky again to escape any penalty? Well, when you wind up in the, in the kitty litter, I think that's penalty enough. I knew he'd get a penalty when I saw him cross the, uh, the hot track. I, you know, there's a lot of pressure on LCH and George. And we really don't know what's going on down there, down in the bowels. So, and there's a lot of pressure for Mercedes to be back on top in 2024. I mean, if they're not, we're going to see more of this kind of bubbling. And I don't know. I think there's some resentment between George and and LCH. And, L and George understands that LCH is still the leader of this team. He's still the newcomer. Yeah, I mean, you're right. George thinks he can win, win, win. But he's got a teammate that wants to win, win, win. And they don't have a car that wants to win. But let's admit it, that Mercedes is beginning to show some pace. I mean, I think it's a very fast car. And they're on their way. So hopefully, just so everybody can be happy, I want Mercedes to be more competitive, Nasser. But I love all this because I love Formula One. I don't hate LCH. I love him for being such a great driver. Oh, nice to hear that. Okay, sir. Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari completed the top five, 38 seconds behind the winning Red Bull. The prancing horse was not even in the same start form. If they think Red Bull will stumble again like they did in Sing Singapore and they can win another race in 2023, I suggest they get a double dose of cappuccino, wake up and smell the energy drink that has given wings to one man. Machismo, also known as Fernando Alonso, the evergreen of Formula 1, he was sixth. He had a case of burning buns as his race seat got very hot. I think he is like George, grumpy and frustrated at not having a competitive package. Losing third place in the championship to his ex-teammate is not easing the pain. Singapore was the only race where he did not score any points. With rumors now flying, Lawrence Stroll wants to sell the team and pending arrival of his friends from Tokyo in 2026, I just don't see him getting win number 33, let alone championship number 3 by then. It will be an incredible day in Formula 1 
and probably one of the most celebrated wins if Alonso is seen on top step of the podium. Will it happen in a lifetime, Senor um, Rogers? I do not think so, simply because he's up against the clock like anybody. You know, he's the oldest guy in the paddock, and it's a Cinderella story, and everybody wants to see that, just like Hulkenberg and the podium. So I don't think it's going to happen. And now with Lance Stroll and his baby boy lollipop being frustrated because he's not really that wonderful. And the rumors of Lance selling while he's at the top because he believes Andretti will bring down property value. That's what it's all about. It's all about property value. They don't want to see those people in their neighborhood. And it's very disappointing. So there you go. I think it's called Canadian elitism. Okay. Esteban Ocon was seventh, the only Alpine in the points. He has endured six DNS so far this season, including two in the first three races. His teammate and compadre Pierre Gasly was twelfth. Recently, Luca Di Meo, who is CEO of Renault Group, paid a visit to Alpine racing team in Enstone and let them know how he wants things done uh, between the two teams in Enstone and engine department in Viry-Châtillon. Among the items on the menu, no more staying in different hotels. The name of Eric Bouillet is being rumored as possible replacement for Otmar Safnauer. Sir, Eric Bouillet has a lot of experience. Uh, would you like to see him? You know, we interviewed him at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2019, I believe, and he was a very friendly gentleman. Uh, would you like to see Monsieur Bouillet as head honcho at your team? I think he's got good experience. He's French. He can communicate with these French drivers perhaps better. I'm not sure. You know, I don't know what's going on at Alpine. And sometimes another engine that looks very capable, but the drivers are a little erratic, but fast. So, you know me, I'm a Renault fan. I'm hoping for the best, but you never know. And you, the problem is you never know when Renault is going to pull out. I don't know when the next Concorde agreement is, but hmm... I'm always worried about that. Okay, Valtteri Bottas. This was the feel-good story of the weekend as he finished 8th and his teammate ninth. Both Sauber Alphas in the points. The team has scored points in only 6 of the 17 GPs so far this season. Bottas did not score any points in the previous two races in Japan and Singapore. Teammate Guan Yu Zhou has scored points in only 3 races this season. Sunday was his first finish in the points in the last 10 races. The final point from 10th place finish was taken by Omre, whose teammate is setting new record race by race, Sergio Perez. He is still second in the championship with 224 points compared to 433 for Max in the same car. Christian Horner has gone on record saying they are desperate to find out what is going on with him and they want to help Checo get back his confidence in race winning form. As Leo Sayer said in a song, it's not easy when the road is your driver and when instead of running into a cucumber on the road you run into Max Verstappen, your performance will be peeled off lap by lap and by the end of the race you will be turned into Greek salad. And you know what Mr. Don Henley says. The Greeks want no freaks. 
and nor does Dr. Marco and Christian Honor. What say you, amigo? Checo, keeper or chop chop for 2024? I'm a Checo supporter, I think he can turn this around, so he has my support. I think he's got the team support in 2024. I don't think they're ready to have a different lineup. But, it, you know, something could pop up. One person that's desperate to get that car is uh, Lando Norris. Yeah, that name is mentioned quite a bit, and Christian Horner was asked uh, over the weekend, and he said Lando has a contract, Piastri has a contract. But we all know how strong his contract are, and so does uh, Sergio Perez. But Perez does bring a lot of money uh, from Telmax, so we'll see how it goes. But I have a feeling that if he stays second in the championship at the end of the season, he will keep his seat. But if he finishes behind Lewis in a Red Bull, then you cannot blame Red Bull you know, doing a regime change in one half of the team. But we shall see. Let me put it this way. If Checo finishes third, Marco's pager will start going off. There you go. Finally, sir, we come to your second favorite driver after Lewis Hamilton, your compadre Logan Sargent. Because of the Arabian heat, even at night, he was suffering from not-so-fresh feeling and retired from the race, and we wish him well. And we saw in the green room after the race, all these drivers were, um, or at least two of them, Max and Piastri, were lying on the floor. So this must have been a very um, tiring race for these youths. Sargent is the only driver on the grid who has not outqualified his teammate all season long. He is also the only F1 driver who has not scored any points. His teammate Alex Albon is 13 in the championship with 23 points. So things are not looking Florida fresh for the young man from Boca Raton. Sir, before we look into points to ponder, you, any any other things you may want to say about the race? I, I just don't think we should be racing in Qatar under these conditions. I think the heat is just as dangerous as rain. I mean, there could, it, there could have been a fatality. Heat stroke is very, very serious. And to be honest with you, I was naive. I had no idea that the desert can also be high humidity. So it's got to be brutal, at least... Come to Arizona. It's a dry heat. Well, they did that in the 90s. <laughs> they did. And they, they found out the Formula 1 Grand Prix is less popular than the Grand Prix de Ostrich. Well, after the Grand Prix of Ostrich, then everybody gets a free egg. And let me tell you, I was at the 1991 race in Phoenix. Mr. Rogers, it, in March, it was so hot. I could not believe in March, but you know, that's the way it goes. I went to a IMSA GTO race, there's a track called Firebird Raceway in Chandler, Arizona. And I will never forget when the plane was coming into land, I could see the track. And what I noticed, like, you know, you see people moving around this and that. I could not see any of that, even though the plane was very low. And then when I went to the track, there was nobody to be seen. And I'm looking around. Finally, I asked a guy, you know, where is Dan Gurney? Where is Willie T? And they said, uh, they're all at the hotel. It's so hot here. And it was just amazing. Okay, sir, we shall move with uh, points to ponder now. Pole position for Max was, like we said, 10th of the season and number 30 of his career. 
Your man Alonso has made it to Q3 in every race so far this season. And Nico Hulkenberg, despite being out of F1 for a few years, has outperformed his teammate K-Mag in qualifying 12-5, which is very, very impressive. The inaugural Qatar Grand Prix was in 2021 and won by Lewis Hamilton. Last year there was no GP as the nation was hosting the World Cup uh, football. And Sir will do a top five in the Drivers' Championship, uh, Max leading 433 points. And of course, already world champion, second Paris, 224, Hamilton third, 194, Alonso fourth, 183, and Carlos Sainz, 153 points. In the Constructors' Championship, numbers are impressive. Red Bull Honda, 657 points. Mercedes 326, third Ferrari 298, then Aston Martin Mercedes 230, and then McLaren Mercedes 219. And I'm pretty sure McLaren will pass Aston Martin. I will be surprised if they don't. What say you? I totally agree. McLaren is definitely going to hold on to this pace. I don't think it's a flash in the pan as Frederic Vasser thought it would be. So, hmm, big news. And it's good for Max, too. He needs, let's put it this way, Max isn't going to be pushed by Perez, so he needs these two young whippersnappers to push him a little bit because, really, he's doing it all on his own. And certainly, some pushing always helps great drivers become even greater. So, who knows what's going to happen next year, but I'm telling you, we have awesomeness. I just can't wait. That's all. On that happy note, sir, let's take a... Would you like to take a Perrier or an Aquafina break? I always stick with Perrier, even though they were once caught with benzene in the, <laughs> in the 70s. Remember that? It was exciting. But anyway, yes, let's have a little benzene. So we'll be back. And don't forget, we've got uh, interviews coming up, fully loaded goodie bag. It's outrageous. So we'll be back after these brief messages. Hi, my name is Linus Lundqvist, and you're listening to F1 Weekly. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. In now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the Swami himself, Nasser Hamid. Okay, Nass, uh, one of my favorite interviews. I believe this took place in 2009, but I am not quite sure. Jean-Pierre Beltoise, how did it go? Uh, sir, it went very well. It did take place in 2009, uh, the same weekend as the Le Mans. And after interviewing him, I did go to the Le Mans 24-hour race, and his, one of his sons was racing. And, you know, I've known of this name for a long, long time, and a few years ago he passed away. And so I uh, really wanted to talk to him. There was a lot of history there. I'm sure you remember there was a very serious accident in a sports car race, uh, Buenos Aires, in 1970 or 71, uh, in which he was pushing his Matra across the track in front of the you know pit area. And this Italian driver, Ignazio Giunti, uh, crashed into his car and his car caught fire and he died. And that was very sad, and of course, uh, he was married to the sister of Francois Sever. And when I was doing some research uh, before going to Paris to talk to him, uh, 
and their conversation took place at his carting facility near Paris. Man, I just could not believe that his brother François Sever was killed on Saturday and Jean-Pierre Paltrois took part in the race on Sunday. And I did talk to him about this and uh, of course he gave his reasoning, interesting what he said. So I was very happy we were able to talk to somebody who was a prominent driver when I started following racing in the early 70s. And uh, the, his other son, I think his name is Julien Beltois, he was there, very nice kid. And I remember he used to race also by European Formula 3 level. And so I asked him about, you know, who did you race against uh, and how did you do? He said, you know, I did pretty good, but there was one guy I could never beat. And I said, who was that? And he goes, Jensen Button. So uh, it all comes back to you, you know, one way or the other. So hope our listeners will enjoy this conversation with Jean-Pierre Beltoise. A true legend of French motorsports. Beltoise was born in Paris in 1937. He was very successful as a motorcycle racer and won 11 national titles before moving to racing on four wheels. He was involved in a serious accident at Reims in a sports car race in 1964. The following year, his victory at the same track in a Formula 3 race saved the Matra racing program. He drove for Matra in Formula 1 in 1968 and was second in the Dutch Grand Prix. In 1969, he drove for Ken Tyrrell's Matra international team and was second in his home Grand Prix at the beautiful and challenging Clermont Ferrand track, which, by the way, is the hometown of Patrick de Paillet, and it was Jean-Pierre Baltoise who discovered uh, Patrick de Paillet and helped him earlier in his racing career, and we talk about he talks about this in this conversation. Shining moment of Jean-Pierre Baltoise's F1 career came in the rain at Monaco in 1972, where he scored the last ever Grand Prix win for BRM, a famous British team from days gone by. Baltois is married to Jacqueline, sister of François Sevet, and this conversation took place at his karting track in Trappes, near Paris. I also had the chance to meet one of his sons, Julien. My thanks to both of them for their time, and a very special thank you to Mr. Mauro Bianchi and my friend Mr. Olivier Menu for making this interview possible. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm here in Traub with Jean-Pierre Beltoise, legend of French motor racing. Mr. Beltoise, first of all, a great pleasure to meet you. How are you today? As a, as a lot of body, I'm going more and more in the, in the edge, and that I don't like very much. <laughs> but I'm well. I am well. I have two sons. You have met one, Julien. The other one is more racing, Anthony. Well, I am in not bad condition, so it's okay. Good. Now, um, before we talk about your great career, and I really enjoyed your racing career, uh, let's talk a little bit about the French Grand Prix and what's going on. How involved are you in promoting the French Grand Prix? If we had more time, now we have not had that time. I could have, I have two or three phone calls to give now, but I'm going to give one immediately because, uh, no, my, uh, my phone uh, is uh, a little bit... Uh, Broken? Not broken, but uh, I have something I have not with me. No. So, to answer to this question, I think really in uh, one or two months, the gov- French government is going to say our project, I mean uh, François Poupigny, Jean-Pierre Beltoise, north of Paris, is uh, going to be the right project to organize the Grand Prix in 2012. And before, if we want the French Grand Prix, we could come back in Manicourt or in uh, Circuit Ricard or Castellet. That, that I cannot say more. I think, uh, I hope, uh, 95% of chance like that. Where is your project? Is, is this going to be a street race or you're going to build a new track? 
No, we're going to to build a new track because in Paris it's not possible to do a street race because we have a lot of uh, of regulations. You know, France is very is not easy like uh, some countries to organize. Even made like states. I think states is more more easy than in France. That is the reason. But the second reason is we need uh, near Paris a very big uh, uh, racing track, safety track, a track to 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 work about the mobility in uh, in the new in, in the new system of ecology of uh, fuel consumption very sl- very low. So as our track is going to be built near Roissy, which is a very big airport international, Le Bourget, which is a business airport, and uh, Chantilly, which is a very nice place where there are horse races, with a lot, you know Chantilly perhaps, no, with hotels and uh, very hotel top, top, top gamme hotel. So I think the, really the best uh, solution was to build this, this system of track. I hope your project succeeds, and uh, I will. I'm going to call you for a free ticket. Okay. All right. You come back when you come back. I give you a free ticket. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. But uh, uh, before we we must ask to Bernie Eccleston. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Bernie has to say yes or no on everything. Okay. Now we're going to talk about your career. Your racing career started on two wheels, and like John Surtees, you were very successful. Uh, what do you remember most from your racing days, motorcycle racing days? I have a lot of souvenirs of the, my uh, racing days in motorcycle, but no bike, because it was the beginning of the system. And uh, also, because I have a very good success, and I, you know, I did motorbike because the karting was not existing at, uh, at this time, before 60s. And I have no regret, because I had a very nice moment. I was a lot of time a uh, French champion. And when I decide to go to car, because I want, I did motorbike to go to, ra- to racing cars. Perhaps I should have continued in motorbikes two, three, four years, because it was the beginning of a Japanese organization mm-hmm. with uh, Suzuki, Honda was coming. And uh, it was the beginning of a very strong motorbike system, uh, organization, I mean, uh, with uh, a lot of uh, advertising. But it's like that. But I have very good souvenirs. Very, very good souvenirs. Now, you have raced both two wheels and four wheels. What, requ- As a competitor, what requires more skills, uh, racing on bikes or racing on cars? Exactly the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> you see, the problem is you have something to drive, mm-hmm. two, one, uh, three, four wheels, uh, with a good grip, not good grip, anything. It's always to be at the limit, to try to be at the limit, not to overtake this limit, and with this limit, to have the, the shorter time to go to one point to another point. So it's the same scale. Now, here comes my favorite part of your career, uh, racing on four wheels. Uh, you had a very bad accident at Dreams, you folks call it Reims, uh, when you joined Matra, and Mr. Jean-Luc Lagardère put you in charge of answering the phones. Uh, please tell me about the early days and how was it working for Mr. Lagardère? When I see uh, Jean-Luc Lagardère the first time, I was with a lot of uh, crutches. crutches and uh, with plaster. And uh, he said, no, it's not possible. And he said to me after, one or two years after, uh, when I say that, I look at you and I saw so much determination in your eyes that I said, no, I can't do that. We try. You know, now, ju- just to, to show to you, that is... Uh, yeah. no, oh. But uh, it was not a problem. 
It was just a problem. I suffered a lot in the hospital for one year. And after, I mean, perhaps a little less of ability I had at the steering wheel, but this forced me to do a good car, you know, not to have to have a control very difficult in a fast bends. And uh, well, it's no problem. How was he uh, working for him? Was he a very demanding guy, or was he very nice to work with? Pardon, Jean-Luc Lagardère, was he a tough boss or a good boss? How do you remember him? A fantastic boss, yeah. really, a fantastic boss. Uh, you know, at the beginning of my career with Matra, I have been approached by Ferrari, by Ludovico Scafiotti, mm-hmm. who wants to, who was from the part of Enzo Ferrari to to come there. And I said, no, I don't want. <laughs> I am, my my family is Matra, Blue, Jean-Luc Lagardère, anybody. It was a fantastic boss, very clear, always very clear. Very honest, and uh, really, I have no regret. A lot of uh, good souvenirs with Mata. Now, his son is uh, heavily involved in sports entertainment. Is he involved with you in this uh, Formula One project that you are putting together? His son, uh, is he involved in the Formula One uh, project? His son. No, his son, he, he don't like very much. Uh, yes, yes, his son, Arnaud, in fact, is uh, not regarding about uh, Jean-Luc, was passionate by, by sports on the on the kart sports. Also, he took the the managing of Matra, given by uh, Marcel Chassagny and Sylvain Foirat, which was the president, co-president, and he, he saw the good opportunity for Matra to have a very good advertising by uh, doing uh, sports racing and try to win. Now we will see the 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 cars in the in the world. It's not the same uh, profile, it's not the same conditions. And I know from enough that time, I know, I never discussed with him. I know he, he do anything, but again, the, not newspapers, but in the Hachette and many things. And uh, he don't want to touch about, about uh, sports cars. But he's very interesting by communication, advertising, organization. And as he could organize something in tennis, for instance, he could organize something with uh, the Grand Prix de France. Now, Reims was also the scene of first match of victory only one year after your accident. You know, your first victory in 1965 at Reims uh, with Matra, first victory for them. How important was the victory for you as a driver in the Matra program? Very, very important. Because uh, for me and for Matra, or for Matra and for me. For Matra, because uh, we did two or three races before with... uh, no, we have not succeeded to come in the first lines and the, the car stopped. Little problem because the car was very new. And by winning at Rims, it changed completely what not only the France, but uh, uh, the president of Matra, Sylvain Farah, was thinking about racing. And when we have won, it was uh, so big, so important that it was the real beginning of Matra. We should have won uh, more or less uh, after, but Rims is like Monaco in France. It was uh, the right place to win. It was a real, fantastic and uh, very quick uh, speedway. And uh, it was very important. And for me, it was very, very important because uh, a lot of people consider me like uh, something without too much hurt to could succeed in, in motor racing. And, uh, and uh, I succeeded there to win Rennes. It was a, a very big chances. I had a lot of chances. You know, I... I did a spin and because somebody yes. hurt me at the yeah. first uh, corner. It was really a good chance to win. But by this uh, winning, winning the race, 
Everybody could uh, say, no, Beltoise is, is right to race. And it was a comfort for Jean-Luc Lagardère, which has taken a lot of risk to say, Beltoise is going to be one of our drivers. Now, motor racing in your days was very dangerous. And when you started in motorcycles early in your life, um, what was the reaction of your mom and dad? Were they supportive or they were concerned that it's very dangerous? Mom and dad. Uh, dad, uh, you, you respect my uh, what I was pro- my decision was I projected in the avenir. But my my mother was against, 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 and uh, she changed completely after uh, after my first uh, motorbikes uh, wins. Uh, but now I I, re- I, I imagine because uh, when uh, I had this accident one year before. My way, my win in Reims, thought in '64. The first announcing for two hours in the night, I was killed. You know, so I imagine my parents. I can imagine it was terrible for them. Uh, I think I give them a lot of uh, a lot of pleasure, not pleasure, but uh, joie, joie, yeah, a lot yeah. of joy, joie, joie uh, but also uh, a lot, a lot of uh, yes, yes. Uh, Soucy, concern. Now, you were 1965 French Formula 3 champion. What was the best race and best memories you have from that season? I, I don't know. Rims, sure. Rims, sure, because uh, before uh, there was nothing. But I remember to have did a second place at Rouen, which was a very fast track and difficult track. And also I went in Cognac. I remember all that. I remember because all these races was have the good decision to be the first uh, Formula 3 champion, and it was very important. And I remember this oh, one on the cognac. I remember very much. And who were the main competitors uh, in the first championship that you won uh, Formula 3? Well, uh, Jean-Pierre Jossot, which has won uh, two or three years before the Volanchel. He has the same age uh, like me. It was a really very difficult competitor for me. I didn't know Pescarolo, which was a good. Uh, he, he came after. He came after. Uh, International was Trevor Blockdack, which was a South African, I think. South African, yes. And uh, a lot of English people, like Chris Irwin. Uh, okay. A lot of, I don't know the name now. Pierce Courage. I was very friend with Pierce Courage after. No, I, don't, I can't say because I have not the souvenir. Now, oh, the, the names. But yeah. uh, In 1968, you were Formula 2 champion. How was that season and... What do you remember from your Formula 2 championship? Formula 2 champion, uh, after to being, uh, I think it's two years after being uh, first uh, championship, side me, sit, sit me, in good position for the future for the Formula 1. That was very important. No, I have a good souvenir. Also, good souvenir with the Formula 2, because all Formula 1 drivers, the best, Jack Brabham, Danny Ulm, Jürgen Rent, Stewart, uh, Peterson, all were doing Formula 1 and Formula 2. And in Formula 2, we had the same engine, F, F2, Cosworth, yes. So the, the, the challenge and the, the fight was fantastic always. And also, we had still uh, cars with uh, not slick tires, not aerodynamic system. So with uh, 300 horsepower, the car was sliding a lot. So it, I had a very good souvenir. I have, also, I have keep a Formula 2, which is now... Not far to be ready, and for me, it's a, the more nice car I've driven uh, in, in in the racing. I, I forgot something to t- before when my concurrent in Formula Three, 
was Eric Hofenstadt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and Eric, I, I, uh, I must say, uh, Eric was very important for me, for my career. Because two times after my accident, and at the beginning of my motorbike career, he helped me a lot. He presented me to Jean-Luc Lagardère after. And he said to Jean-Luc Lagardère, you must take Jean-Pierre Beltoise. <laughs> and uh, at the beginning, uh, I have uh, no, no money. And he said... I'm going to I, I, I am going to buy an Air Mackie, new uh, motorbike and I give I, uh, no you must pay but a nice price for my 175 Morini so it's for you when I came back from the army I had an accident with car no, not not big accident but uh, a lot of damage so I have no money to pay the the bag he said Jean-Pierre you must take the bag you pay me when you can fantastic yeah. and 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 I was so it's more dangerous concurrent so from Eric, for me, is a very friend, uh, very, very good friend. Now, in 1968, when you were in Formula 2, um, a lot of famous drivers were there, like you mentioned, Formula 1 drivers. You, tell me about, please, uh, Jochen Rindt. How did you find him as a person? We, we know uh, Jochen and Nina. Nina was uh, very friend with, my, uh, with Jacqueline, my wife. But also with Jochen, Jochen was, a, from, he was somebody from the north, but south, in fact. Like you have in Austria, South Austria is like uh, the French uh, river, river yeah. for mentality. And uh, I didn't know him very well, but we did at the Bahamas, uh, invited by Volkswagen, a race with, uh, I don't remember the name of car, Monoposto, mono mm -hmm. but with a Volkswagen engine, very slow. But we were invited, us two. And I won the race before Jochen, and uh, after that, he came to me after, I say. Jean-Pierre, I know you now, and we, if you want, we are going to be very friends. I, oh, you can. It's a great thing for me because I am in admiration for you. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay, very important race uh, in 1968. You won the Formula 2 race at Hockenheim, and we all know what happened on lap yes. 4. Who told you about that Jim Clark was killed in that race, and what was your reaction and the reaction of racing drivers? Well, the reaction was uh, incredible, because we, we cannot imagine. And uh, Okenheim was not a very dangerous track, but uh, what happens to the car? Because in, at this place, he should have not take, take off the road. A lot of trees, and uh, there are no guardrails at this time, but we, we cannot imagine we can be killed at this, at this place. So it was terrific uh, when they said uh, uh, Jimmy is uh, dead. But for me, it was more because more disaster because uh, I was not married with Jacqueline and before this race we have a sort of a dinner to, mm -hmm. together and uh, he said oh Jean-Pierre I'm sure you go to marry with Jacqueline Jim Clark said that? yes so so it was terrible because uh, I was a young man coming in that uh, system with Jochen, uh, Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy just dead at this time. So it was uh, un uh, very unlucky, very unlucky. Uh, you were involved in the uh, career of Patrick Depay, another racing driver I admired very much. Uh, please tell us where you first saw him race and what convinced you of his talents. I remember very well that. It was in motorbike mm -hmm. at Montlhery, and I was, it was certainly in 64, because I was in a little chair, you see, a wearing chair, uh -huh. and I went to Montlhery because I want to, to look at the, the drivers and at the races, and I saw a young man, which was called Patrick de Payet, with, a, I think, a Norton Dominator or something like that, really uh, survolving, we can say that, a uh, lot in advance, and uh, really with easy, easy style, very uh, efficient uh, braking and uh, corner cornering and after the race I came to him I said Patrick I look at you you are really a, 
future big champion. If you want, I can uh, give you for some races my bull taco because I am not. It's not impo- It's not impossible. My bull taco, my Morini. I don't remember because it's impossible for me to drive for still uh, six months. So it's for you if you want. So we came friend like that. Now Patrick Depaye, uh, like you, won his first race in Monaco. Who was more crazy, Patrick Depaye or Johnny Saros Gavin? More crazy. More crazy, like you know, very outgoing. Oh yes, oh, it, it was very different. Very different. Patrick Depaye was a little bit like me, somebody which is a good French French boy with a family, with a, his, his home, with a family home. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Servos Gavin was out of that. It was a little aventure. Yeah. Playboy going with that girl, many girls. It was not the same system as us. I love the two. I have loved the two because uh, the two were my good friend. Much more after by the life uh, Johnny, which lived uh, for six months in my home in Paris. Oh. Yes, they were completely different. Same talent, but completely different. So Johnny Savas Gavin was a good racer, though. A good racing. Yeah. Yes, 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 very good, very good. Uh, but he stopped for it's. It's impossible for me in English to explain to you why why he stopped. But he stopped because he, he was sure to succeed in anything. He want to to do boat uh, boat racing, boat uh, around the world, speaking at radio, a lot of things. He, 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 he was sure to do a lot of things. But I can tell you something very very nice about the journey uh, before he died some years ago now. So by a, a friend of us, which was a manager of uh, Auto Plus, we did with Jean-Luc Lagardère a last family organization mm-hmm. at L'Etoile à Paris, which in the Matra uh, seat. Not seat, but Matra... Uh, no, 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 Mat- no, no, office, Matra, main office, main office. Everybody which have raced on uh, approach the rest, engineers, and, uh, mm-hmm. and we are something like uh, 50, 50 persons mm-hmm. in, the, in the office of uh, Jean-Luc. And Jean-Luc say, oh, I'm very happy, happy, so happy. He was really with a lot of, uh, of business. Also. So he, he passed with us four hours, and he said, okay, now we are going, what are you doing? What are you, to everybody. Mm-hmm. And now you, what are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, everybody uh, say, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm planning to do that. And, and your journey, what are you doing? Ah, oh, Mr. Lagardère, now I am, uh, uh, how do you say, retreated, retreated, uh, out of uh, work. Out of I do nothing. Uh-huh. I do nothing. I'm uh, like somebody which works all life and after he, uh-huh. he say, okay. Retired. Retired, retired. Yeah. Wait, I am retired. That's very funny. <laughs> and how old was he then? How old oh, oh, Johnny? was uh, 50 or 55? Yeah, he, he was a funny guy. Okay, you know, I, I was telling your son, I started following motor racing in 1973, January. Mm-hmm. I was a huge, huge fan of your brother-in-law, Francois Severe. Yes. Uh, tell me where you met him first. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I've, I met him at, at Neuilly, near Paris, where I live, in the shop which was selling uh, motorbikes, uh-huh. especially the Morini, impo- importer for Morini. And in fact, I saw Francois, but I saw much more his sister, Jacqueline, which I am married now. Mm-hmm. And that is the first place where I, I saw him. Who did you meet first, Francois or Jacqueline? The two together, because Jacqueline was always with Francois. Oh, okay. You know, in, the, in the shop. Oh. And uh, Jacqueline told me maintenant, told me now, uh-huh. uh, Francois told him, oh, he's Jean-Pierre Beltoise, because he was winning some races already. Uh-huh. So he was in admiration for me. Uh-huh. And uh, Jacqueline looked at me and said, well, he's not a guy, he's too, 
to, to sin. Sin or sick? Sick, yeah. yeah. Sin. To, to sick when we are very... Yeah, too tight. Not, yeah, too tight. Yeah. Yes. He's too tight. And, uh, but we were in factory looking after motorbikes. And uh, after, Francois impressed me a lot by the volanchelle, where I was sure Patrick de Paillet is going to win because he was very good. And uh, also, uh, Francois had not uh, do a lot of racing, uh, car racing, unless motorbike racing. Mm -hmm. And Francois win before Patrick. He was uh, 10 kilos more, and also he was uh, not, not experienced, and he win. Such fantastic, uh, fantastic victory for Francois, this uh, volanchelle. Elf, Valor Elf, and that is what the starting of his many fantastic career and fantastic man. Yeah. You know, uh, when he was killed at Watkins Glen in 1973, um, you raced in, uh, on Sunday. Yes, yes. Um, how difficult was it for you to race after losing your brother-in-law and fellow driver? Or were you, did you race because the team forced you to race? No, you, when you are a racing driver, you, you can imagine during the night before the race, perhaps you could be killed the, the, the day after. You, you can imagine that. But that is not in, in, your, uh, in your head, you know. After you are very concentrated to do the best possible to, to have the, uh, the good uh, determination to do a good car. Yeah. Of thing, a lot of thing. Mm -hmm. So you don't think about that, really. I, I lost my first wife before; it was the same. Mm -hmm. In the race, in the race, or before the race. After it's terrible, but uh, during the race, you have a lot of concentration to you know, to do the, the good tuning of the car, to, a, a lot of things like that. But uh, I remember where the boring because I immediately I wanted to go there to to see if there's a possibility to do something. And I think it's Jody Schechter mm -hmm. who stopped me and he said, "No, don't go there. Don't go there. You must not go because it was terrible." Now you know I have a, a video of at home. It's the story of Matra called Racing in Blue. Okay, it's in French, and you are being interviewed. And you are saying, this is very, very impressive, inspirational. You are saying, when Ken Tyrrell called you to drive his Formula 1 car, you could not believe that I'm a, I was a meat delivery driver and I would be driving a Grand Prix car. Do you remember that phone call? Can you tell us a little bit about those days at Tyrrell? No, I don't remember. I remember a lot of things with uh, Ken Tyrrell. But uh, I remember some, some important uh, meeting with Ken Tyrrell, mainly when he gave me on the same car, Jackie X on me. Jackie is most faster and faster, but immediately after I do the same time. So I remember that. Was very strong. And Tyrrell, very clever man. After two hours uh, practice, not practice, but uh, uh, testing, uh, he said, no, we stop today, we stop today, finish, because he was thinking perhaps one of the two could have, uh, it would be too, too fast. It was at Woolton Park, which was a very dangerous track too. Now, a short on time, Monaco 1972, your yeah. biggest, was that the biggest day of your motor racing life, and how was it winning the Monaco Grand Prix as your first win? It, it was uh, very fantastic, because, in fact, I was very lucky in my racing motorbike career, career uh, not hurt on the a côté, aside my accident in 64 with René Bonnet, my career with Matra was very fantastic from 65 to 68, I think, or 9. And after, I had a lot of problems with uh, broken engines, no, not success. So after two or three years, uh, with a lot of difficulty to confirm I could be a world champion, I could be one of the champions, uh, the Monaco victory was uh, delivery for me. Delivery? No, no, not delivery, uh, deliverance. And uh, change also the mind of everybody who was looking at the race, because when you have a good success, everybody say, oh, it's very good, like uh, James Button. Yeah. 
this year and before they were you, you certainly finish you know the, the, so it was the same thing for me thought so it was very fantastic for me but I was so unlucky at this period I can tell you really at uh, 400 meters you know 500 meters so after the gazomate when I put second third I say I'm going to break the engine sure the engine is going to break or something or broken transmission and when I was at 250 meters I said even if something Broke now, I could pass the finish line and win the race. Because I was so unlucky, you know. Yeah. From the, so for me, it's a, this souvenir really is exactly like that. It is. It was exactly like that. So it was a deliverance. I don't know the, the no. name in... A, no, you know, that's, that's right. Word. Deliverance compared to the unlucky period from two or three years. My 30 minutes are up. Finally, how about a message for listeners of people who listen to a podcast? And we have listeners all over the world, including in France. So would you like to say a message, please? Ah, yes. Ah, a message to racing fans. Uh, I was so lucky to, to get involved in racing because I was dra- dreaming about that when I was uh, 30, 40 years or 15 years. And uh, I succeeded in my uh, dreams. So that I want to say to fans. Okay. I had, a, I had a, a dream life by the, the opportunity. Also, the thing I wanted absolutely to do that. But, and uh, and uh, I know I have a lot of fans because I, I, yeah, I receive a lot of I'm one of them. Okay. And uh, I, took his, I thank them very much for this, uh, this, uh, this uh, without of limit support. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, I really sorry for my English. Is very I understand everything you're saying. No problem there. When I discuss with Bernie, it's very difficult for me, you know. With oh. Eccleston. Bernie is difficult for everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Monsieur Beltoise, merci beaucoup. F1 hebdomadaire vous souhaite bonne chance avec le retour et puis la promotion du Grand Prix de la France. Merci. Thank you, sir. We shall start with Lawrence and LCH. Go your own way. Now, obviously, a lot of people, which is very disappointing, are very much against Michael Andretti's entry of being approved in Formula One. And speaking to Sky Sports, this is what Lawrence Stroll had to say, and I quote, I think F1, at the moment, the business is on fire. The sport has never been in a better place. I believe if it isn't broken, you don't need to fix it. So I'm a strong believer that it's working really well with 10 teams right now and believe that's the way it should stay. End quote. Another high-flying team principal is also on the same page, Toto Wolf. Interestingly, then this was encouraging. Numero unos from their respective teams, driver of car 14 and 44, Alonso and Hamilton respectively, are not towing the party line at least at this time, both are interested in seeing Andretti team on the grid. Lewis saying, and I quote, There are definitely people that won't be happy for me to be supportive of it. But I think it's great. It's an opportunity for more jobs. End quote. Here is my part, traveling in first class on board the LCHPC train. He continued, and I quote, there's an opportunity for another two seats available for a potential female driver to come through. End quote. So here is my question of the day, brought to you in part by Nabisco, so we can see how the cookie crumbles. What are we talking about here, Sir Hamilton? 
Who can it be now, Susie Wolf or Susie Quattro? Mr. Rogers, maybe get your French Le Wisdom on what Lawrence and LCH are saying. I think they're saying he he wants <laughs> some female company in the paddock. That's what he's saying. And you know, there's a lot of women coming up in the lower formulas that look pretty exciting in terms of pace, Nasser, of course. So, but you got to give it to, to, to Lewis. He's right. This is more jobs expansion. I have no idea. As a businessman, Lauren Stroll disappoints me because this is not a fix. This is investment. This is expansion. This is always good for, for business. So, Lawrence, it's time to retire. I think some tennis courts in Montreal with Lance at the helm. And you know, uh, James Fowles of um, uh, Williams is also very much against Andretti. And he said more than half the team are, uh, are lossy, making, incurring loss each year. To which I have to invoke what Bernie Ecclestone uh, once said. If you can't afford to be in Formula One, go to GP2. What say you? I agree. Quit whining. If it's too expensive, get out of the kitchen, Nasser. Exactly. Now we come to Bathurst 1000. The great Australian race was won only for the second time by an all-Kiwi driver lineup, Shane Van Gisbergen and Richie Stanaway. And our man on the sport was the original JB. And we are expecting and requesting Mr. Bentley to please share with us some beautiful photographs from this great race and this wonderful track. And I look forward to making a trip there in March. Sayonara to Honda. Mark Marquez is leaving the factory Honda team after winning six titles with them. Honda is having a Mercedes-like season in MotoGP. Most likely desti destination for Mark Marquez is Grassini Satellite Ducati team. So we wish him well and we hope Honda wins a race in MotoGP soon. Next, Palu versus Plaintiff. McLaren Racing is suing IndyCar champion Alex Palu for at least $23 million to recoup costs. The team says it lost when the driver reneged on the contract he signed to join the team. Palu is from Barcelona. I was looking at his racing life before sailing to America. He never won a single-seater championship in Europe. In two years of GP3, he had one victory in the 2018 European Formula 3 Championship, which was won by Mick Schumacher. Palu did not win a single race and finished seventh in the championship. So, I don't know what his management was smoking, or I should say ex-management was smoking, thinking with this kind of record in European racing, he will get a seat in Formula 1 with McLaren, especially knowing the talent of Lando Norris, extremely successful in Junior Series, and of course, Oscar Piastri, need I say anything more. Like Alex Zanardi before him, Alex Palu has done a tremendous job in IndyCar racing, winning the championship in his second year, and this season took his second title with Chip Ganassi Racing. Going with Ganassi is a good move, which may hurt him in the pocket, and we will find out how this thing is resolved sooner or later. 
Let's hope for a speedy resolution between Palo and McLaren so we can all go and enjoy motor racing. Sir, do you have any legal opinion on this issue? I, I really don't have any legal opinions because I'm not qualified, but Palou is making the right decision. This guy has no chance in Formula One. He's having some good LCH luck over here in this side of the pond. And Chip Ganassi is a class act. The problem is $23 million. I'm hoping they just settle because Palou ain't got no $23 million. But wait, there's more. Another driver is making a pit stop in the Jacobian Myers 500. He tweeted, I have commenced an arbitration proceeding in Indiana against Andretti Autosport, seeking to protect my rights. I am represented by John Mealy and Mark Owens of Barnes and Thornburg. Respectfully signed, Romain Grosjean. Well, he's your fellow Francais. What say you? Well, I feel bad for him. It's not going to add up to diddly squat. Listen, the banking community is calling you, Romain. It's time to come back home. Yes, sir, I do feel sorry for the ex-Swiss banker. Everybody loses interest in his services, even though he has a very impressive junior formula uh, life. First, he survived the Briatore, Boucherie at Renault, then Dante's Inferno in Bahrain. Now he is getting the our favorite Isaac Hayes CD from Mikey. Who's the cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about? Right on. You see, this cat chef is a bad mother. Such a mouth. What I'm talking about, chef? Yeah, he can do He's a complicated man, but no one understands him but his woman. Next, sir, more drivers in the brown bag. McLaren has signed two more young drivers to join their driver development program. One is new F3 champion from Brazil, who I think is a good signing or a smart signing, I should say, Gabriel Bortoletto. The second driver is a doozy, Brando Badoer. Yes, his papito is Luca, who was sent to the second floor by Scuderia Ferrari after doing a few races in place of Felipe Baby. Let's hope Brando Badoer can be a contender in the near future. Which brings us to famous last words. And today, Marlon is the man. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum. Which is what I am. Let's face it. That was awesome, Nasser. I love Brando, so keep up the good work. Uh, any final thoughts? And, of course, we're going to Austin in a couple of weeks. I'm sure you're pumped up about some hot dogs and some fresh Lone Star beer. Yes, sir, and barbecue with Casey Masterpiece sauce. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going there, Mr. Rogers, because my old body and system cannot stand standing five, four or five hours in the parking lot. Uh, I just can't do that anymore. But what I am doing uh, this Wednesday, I'm driving to uh, Road Atlanta. I'll be hanging out in an area called Alpharetta near Atlanta where I have some friends. And uh, I'm very happy and very excited to confirm that I did get a email from uh, 
Michael Shank Racing and the lady was kind enough to set up an interview uh, with Elio Castroneves Friday morning for 10 minutes. So hopefully it will work out. And this lady, Maddie, she had also helped us do an interview when she was with another team with Max Chilton. And then, you know, Jensen Button is also there. And so I wrote to his team, JDC, and they responded by a thing which I appreciate. You know, at least I get an answer. They responded by saying that anything to do with F1, I guess they went by the name F1 Weekly, you need to go through um, Sky TV and this lady at the team could not provide me. So I sent an email to the contact I was given by somebody to Sky TV, uh, which I'm not sure if it's a very good address, but uh, we'll see what happens. But it will be very difficult to talk to Jensen if that is a requirement. So we will see how that goes. And sir, the week after that, I am going to Indianapolis because the Indy Junior Series uh, they are uh, testing there, and I need some racing fakes, so it'll be nice to go to the track, and I definitely will spend some time at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum because it's now closing for several months because Mr. Roger Penske is doing some huge renovation, which is very good. So hopefully it will be open by the time I get there, so we will uh, see what we can do there. Keep up the good work again. I want to thank everybody who listens. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye.